Hey guys, it's Deb here. Welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Thank you once again for joining me on this episode of Uncomfortable. Today's topic is cervical fluids, also known as vaginal discharge. This is a topic that's a wee bit close to my heart because I really, it's really one of those topics that no one, no one ever talks about. So I am actually quite excited for this episode. I was lucky enough to find someone who was willing to talk about cervical fluids and her name is Jessica Roberts Farina. Let me tell you a little bit about Jessica. Jessica is a communications and marketing professional. She was born and raised in Vancouver, BC. Now her journey into tracking her cervical fluid began in May after experiencing a complete breakdown of her health. She then took the decision to take control of her health and well-being. When Jess is not tracking her menstrual cycles, she can be found dancing, singing, birding and trying to be best friends with all the dogs in the neighbourhood. Now, Jess nor I are medical professionals. We are speaking plainly from our own experience and research around this topic. If you feel that there is something not quite right with your own cervical fluid, then we highly recommend that you reach out to a medical professional. I really hope, as always, that you enjoy our conversation, but do note we go into some graphic details. There also is some adult language. So once again, pop your headphones on and enjoy. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm very excited because uh, this is a topic that I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about, mm-hmm. except maybe very recently I have mentioned it to my boyfriend mm-hmm. who didn't react as kind of, I thought he would be more grossed out, <laughs> but he was kind of more confused, I think. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yes. (laughs) So thank you for being the first person who's willing to have this conversation. You're welcome. Happy to be here. (laughs) So, so of course, we are talking about cervical fluid, also known, and I will just say this for people who are like, what? Vaginal discharge? Mm -hmm. What got you interested in this topic? Yeah, well, what got me interested was in 2018, I really experienced basically like just a total health breakdown just from burnout and not taking care of myself um in all sorts of ways and um it wasn't really like the breakdown wasn't around like uh, my menstrual cycle or anything like that but it was affected by it right and so I started to just in general think 
about ways to take more control over my own health. And so I started looking into apps um, around basically tracking menstrual cycles and found a couple. Um, there's a couple popular ones out there. Um, and I chose a clue. Um, and why I chose them is because all of the information that's on the app is from basically like biomedical, scientifically researched and verified medical journals. So um, I really trusted that, and uh, it's very easy. HDU is very; they've made it extremely affordable as well. Um, and yeah, it's a you know available Android like you know App Mac app and all that. Yeah, apps are all that stuff. Yeah, and and that's Clue like just C L U. Yeah, like the board yeah. game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just so just Clue. Game. So if you just look that up, you know, and I think the full name is like Clue Period Tracker okay. or something. And um, you can kind of customize what you track. And what's great about it is that. Um, it like it obviously okay it's tracking your like your your period um and your menstrual cycle so like different you know ovulation different dates some people might use it for like tracking fertility some mm -hmm. people might use it for you know um a medical purpose some people might use it just because they want to get to know their bodies better which is why i chose it but you can track everything from like um, mood to emotion to um, hair and skin changes to food cravings to bowel movements to um, which is something I'm very interested in yes. um, <laughs> um, motivation um, sex drive all sorts of stuff um, and I think I track everything except for hair and skin changes because for me that's just it's just not as important as other things okay. so and obviously um cervical fluid is a big one that is tracked in there and it track it sort of has four different options that you can choose everything is extremely well explained um like what it like what it looks like like that you're and what I really like about clue is that they're kind of motto basically is your body is not a clock and in every every piece of information in that app it will always say that towards the end it's like your body is not a clock your body isn't like anybody anybody else's but this is kind of like general normal kind of like um you know things about your cycle or your cervical fluid so you have an idea but you're not you know not everybody's like period is like you know 30 days it's mm -hmm. like 24 to like 38 days it can it's normal for it to vary so I used to think that like my period was like it was like had to be like you know Clockwise. 30 days or 20 yeah. days or whatever every <laughs> single time but like it's normal to have like a several day variance so that's how I got into tracking this my my menstrual cycle and then cervical fluid and now I feel like I I still use it every day almost a year on and but I feel like I don't even need it for the cervical fluid part now because now so I just, just know. know I'm like <laughs> I awesome. look at my cervical fluid and I'm like okay yeah so this is the time of my cycle I'm in so that's yeah. awesome <laughs> I do use a similar app not as detailed but I use the free version they have a premium version so I'm assuming they do something similar and that's called flow right yeah. and I had started using flow because my girlfriend told me about it mm -hmm. um, because it actually prompts you to drink more water and mm -hmm. I'm terrible for not getting mm -hmm. enough water so I signed up for it that way but same thing it tells you when you're most 
Fertile, obviously based on it takes a few months for it to kind of yes close like close in right Mm -hmm. um but then you know when your period's due and and this one's pretty accurate but i've always had a period that's very regular so i've been pretty lucky that way um but then yeah there was this other thing it was like cervical fluid and at first i was kind of like oh that's weird that it's asking that like why is it asking that what does that even mean but anyway, I, I started to track it and actually kind of realized, and I can't believe it's taken me so long. I'm 36 years old and I almost feel embarrassed to say, like, I didn't realize, like, how your cervical fluid changes throughout your period and that it can mean different mm-hmm. things. So that was a big aha moment. Absolutely. I think myself. most women, I mean, well, and like probably almost all I mean, just most people. Mm -hmm. I will just say most people. But since we're talking about the menstrual cycle, um, most women, I would say, like, yeah, have know very, very, very little Mm -hmm. about that. Like, even someone, even women who are trying, you know, to get pregnant, right? Um, Because we were never taught that in school. We were never, like, we were in any level of school, right? I'm, I'm 33, and I'm only just, like, I, this knowledge is new to me, yeah. right? And it's um, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy. It really is. I yeah. remember when I was, um, I guess, primary school, elementary school to mm-hmm. you Canadians, and I remember getting the period talk very, very kind of briefly, mm-hmm. and you know, little booklets and stuff. But I had noticed, I think at that point, or maybe a couple of years later, that there was this other fluid. And I just never talked to anyone because I was embarrassed because I didn't think that that was normal exactly. until I think I maybe read it in probably like Cosmopolitan <laughs> or some like shitty teen mag, um, which I mean, at the same time, not the best place to get your information. But it was somewhere that kind of brought that stuff to my attention, right? So in a way, I am also thankful Mm -hmm. for that. Why do you think we don't talk about it? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, man. I mean, I think that, like, when it comes to bodies in general, across all genders, we still... It's, like, very taboo. And I can't... Like... I can't explain, like, why it is taboo, but just anything that has to do with bodies, right? Whether it's, like, fluids or smells or, like, bowel movements, bowel health, um, it whether it's periods or um, experiences that men have that I'm obviously <laughs> not familiar with because I'm not a, I'm not a man, you know? Um, I think that it's just... I think it's all linked to kind of, like, body shame and, like, sex shame and that's something that's like ingrained in our global like society and culture Mm -hmm. since like the beginning of time right so we're talking thousands of years and it takes so gonna take a long time to undo all that shame right and that's I think there's just a lot of it's it's shame and lack of knowledge Mm -hmm. right I mean because nobody we're not taught any of this and nobody knows anything about it then you're like oh there's something wrong with my body, right? But there's nothing wrong with your body. Your body is functioning exactly as it should, right? And so I think that, um, and I think that, I don't want to say that there's necessarily that there's more sh- more shame, like, um, put on, like, women about their bodies because there's shame put on it at any gender. Yeah. But I think that 
definitely like you know the menstrual cycle is still kind of treated as something dirty right and so therefore cervical fluid or vaginal discharge whatever you want to call it is then also considered like dirty right I mean I had the exact same experience as you in high school like you know I got my period my first period when I was 12 and then during high school when like I started experiencing and noticing the cervical fluid right in my underwear I was like I thought that there was something like Mm -hmm. wrong with me but I never talked to anybody about it and until like a few years later I think I mentioned it to my mom and she was like she's like yeah like this normal right but I went like you know grades eight through ten or something like that being like totally like ashamed or freaked out or disgusted by it right and what's really sad about that is the fact that Thankfully for us, you know, we thought something was wrong with it and it wasn't. It was a normal thing. But there may be something happening to a teenager, young kid, that isn't quite normal and Mm -hmm. they should go to the doctor about it. So therefore, they're not talking Mm -hmm. about it, right? Yeah. So it's like that education has got to start early. And if someone notices something is wrong, whether they think it is and it's not or it Mm -hmm. is, they should still speak to someone absolutely and I think that like in schools you know like the it shouldn't just be like you're just a um like a regular teacher teaching like giving like sex education or Mm -hmm. menstrual cycle education or puberty education or whatever it should be someone who's specialized in that Mm -hmm. like a an actual um you know, whatever, sex educator or, um, pu- you know, like yeah. adolescent health educator that works in the school or is brought brought in for those courses, right? Yes. Because it needs to be someone who's totally comfortable talking about everything and knows how to do that with a crowd yes. of people who are not going to be comfortable talking about that. Yes. For and the most part, a bunch of children, <laughs> right? You know, so... I, yeah, it's um, a long way to go, but the fact that we're even having this conversation, yeah. like, means that we're going somewhere with it. Yeah, so. it's a step forward. And yeah. I, you know, I was kind of digging around on the internet, and there was some articles out there, too. Mm-hmm. There's apps, as you say, like mm-hmm. Clue and Flow, that you can track these things. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit, since you, you know, got really into, <laughs> into this, <laughs> what have you learned? What can our cervical fluid tell us yeah well um i've definitely learned a lot um as far as um what point i'm at in my Mm -hmm. monthly cycle for sure um again like um every body is every woman's body is different but there are sort of shared kind of things so around i've learned that around ovulation that uh your cervical fluid is more as the clue app describes it egg white that's another mm-hmm. thing to get used to is like how they describe it they describe yes. it as like egg the different kinds of egg white um creamy sticky and atypical that's when something's wrong so yeah. but it's like Oh, like, it's weird because I'm thinking about, like, food and stuff. I know, it's like, I'll never quite look at an egg the same, the same way, way right? No, and I don't think mm. I, I don't think I have, so it's kind of funny, but, <laughs> you know, and they'll describe it as, like, egg white. It's, like, stretchy, slippery, and translucent, like an egg white. I was like, that's accurate. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, so it's definitely, like, <laughs> laugh at it, right? Because yeah. you're just going to have to get over that, right? Yeah. So that is, you know, um... 
yeah, for, around ovulation, and I've definitely, like, that is definitely the case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a, a, around that time, my cervical fluid just tends to be more. There's just more mm-hmm. of it, which yeah. makes sense, you know, if, like, your body's kind of like, okay, I'm ready to be fertilized, you know, that there would be more of that yes. to facilitate it, right? Um it's so almost like it's providing a natural lubricant. Exactly. That's right? exactly what it's doing. The body knows exactly what it needs to do, yeah. right? Which is pretty amazing. Um, and then um, I learned that so like towards getting closer to um, a woman's period, it, your, your cervical fluid's going to change. And so there's more progesterone, less estrogen because mm. you're past ovulation. Um, and that means basically the opposite of like, it doesn't need to be like, as like lubricated because the egg is going to be whatever, like dying or whatever the proper word would be. Right. So vaginal discharge should be, um, sticky. So less wet, like, um, less egg white and just less of it. And I've noticed that with myself for sure. And I'm like, okay, yeah, getting, you know, more towards like the end of this cycle. Right. And then the the creamy one, I still don't have a handle on it because it, <laughs> it's weird. It bothers me. Like, it's almost a year on, and I'm like, okay, so it says it's supposed to be, like, hand lotion, and it's supposed to be, like, just after your period, like, a couple other times in the cycle, but... I don't really, I haven't got a handle on that one yet. (laughs) But any experts out there, please, you know, send us an email. Please do, yeah. (laughs) What does creamy cervical fluid actually look like? Because I'm really not sure. I think it's really like it's in between. It's not as Mm. wet and slippery as the egg white ovulation cervical fluid, but it's not as like kind of like dry as the sticky one is somewhere in between. Um, And then I've learned um, which thankfully I haven't experienced um is kind of a what they would call atypical so an indication that something might be um uh not like you know working well right so if it's um and even reading that has been something that's like so if here like cervical fluid is green or chunky or um foamy or like smells like very very like like smells very foul and only you as a as an individual are gonna notice that difference right because it smells different for everybody right um that that would be okay you know see a medical professional a doctor a gynecologist or you know whomever you're comfortable seeing right and what those could be indicative of i'm not entirely sure but you know you know different um infections or or um Mm -hmm. diseases or uh, that kind of thing so yeah yeah, i know um, myself from years and years and years ago suffering a lot from thrush like oh yeah thrush oh god and yeah you kind of knew because for me it was definitely like more sorry to go into graphic detail people but it was more (laughs) kind of like sticky flakes like not oh yeah like the sticky that's normal Mm -hmm. like you just know and it was so uncomfortable and and that's another thing is that oftentimes like with that like um, a typical change, it will be really itchy mm-hmm. and it will, you know, be really burning and, and all that kind of stuff that kind of like, um, yeah. if you ever had a yeast infection, right? Like that kind of goes along with that. So it could yeah. just be a yeast infection, not just, yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's a, a, yeah, a shitty it's a thing to experience, thing. Yeah, but, but, 
Um, it could be something, you know, even sort of more than that. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it tells us a lot. A lot. Yes. yes. It tells us so much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so around ovulation, you're supposed to, you know, well, it's normal to kind mm-hmm. of have a lot. Like, how much is a lot? Do you, does it say, does the app ever I'm not that? sure. They don't really get into kind of like quantity or yeah. measurements, but I know that for myself that around ovulation when my cervical fluid is the egg white like they kind of say it should be I just I have like I have more it's so funny like I mean I guess this is graphic details too but I spend so much time like looking in my underwear (laughs) (laughs) like not so much time I'm not like sitting you know examining (laughs) it with like whatever like a magnifying glass or something like that but I think it's because now that I know I have this knowledge, then I can just be like, you know, you go to the washroom and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, and you kind of, like, this makes sense around this time of the month or whatever. But, um, yeah, that's a great question. So if there's anybody out there who I'd love to learn more about kind of, like, quantity. I know, like, I've read kind of about, like, when you actually have your period, like, kind of, like, how much whatever, like, bl- you know, I can't think of a number, but, like, blood, yeah. uh, an average woman would lose or... Like, a what tables, Yeah, or, or whatever, whatever else. Like, there yeah. seems to be measurements around that, but I haven't come across, like, kind of, like, mm. measurements of uh, the actual, like, cervical fluid that is, like, actually, you know, being discharged from the body. Yeah. So that would be interesting because, I mean, that's another thing that this has helped me with is... Oftentimes, like, as an adult, like, so just a year ago or whatever, when I wasn't using this app, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, there's a lot of, like, yeah. like, you know, it's not overflowing. <laughs> I know, it's like but when you a... walk down a street and you just feel that feeling and you you're like, feel it, right? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, it feels kind of wet and, like, not comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that that is, like, abnormal, you mm-hmm. know, um... But again, it's like that thing that we're like silent about, but dealing yeah. with, you know, as we go about our lives. So it's like, this is just crazy. So, yeah, it's like you said about like you start to bring it up with your boyfriend. And like, I like, like, talk to like, I, like my partner. We've been together for almost like 12 years. We mm-hmm. talk about like all the bodily, like, <laughs> fluids and movements and all these things all the time. It's like, we're already like, that like 90 year old couple like yes. talking about our reg- bowel regularity <laughs> and now my cervical fluid as well so yeah. yeah yeah I'm trying to ease my boyfriend into that one I'm still working on it he did say as I left today oh what's your podcast recording today about and I was like vaginal discharge and he was just like oh I think he regretted asking <laughs> like okay you have fun with that and I'm like oh I will yeah. um question just because you've kind of done a lot of you know thinking around this have you ever experienced a change in vaginal discharge based on your diet I think so. That's an, in, like, mm-hmm. it def- diet definitely um, does affect cervical fluid. Yeah. That is definitely, like, and your, well, your menstrual cycle in general mm-hmm. is affected by so many things. It's affected by diet, by exercise, by sleep, by stress, by mm-hmm. medication, yeah. literally by any change in your life, um, you know, sort of a s- somewhat significant change, you know, that your body can detect will affect your menstrual cycle, which, of course, can be everything from, like, 
your, you know, whatever period flow to, like, your mood, right? Yeah. But, um, and I've definitely, you know, noticed, like, its effect on, um, like, a change in diet on my cervical fluid, but I haven't spent a lot of time kind of, like, doing that separate tracking <laughs> I guess you thing. would have to kind of track what you're eating, eating. as well and see if there's any And that would be a whole big endeavor, which yeah. would be interesting, but not something I've done yet. But I definitely think... I mean, because I think what you eat is going to affect your hormones, mm-hmm. and that's going like, and that's going to affect your cervical fluid and your period, yeah. right? Because the reason why, you know, it's it changes between egg white or sticky is because of changes in estrogen mm. and progesterone yeah. levels, right? Which are two, um, like female hormones we've got tons of hormones in our body that aren't linked to our gender or anything but i would think there would definitely like be an effect but yeah Yeah, i ask merely for my own yeah kind of interest because i feel like i notice a bit of a difference if i eat too much sugar Mm. like if i've had a day or you know i've gone for dessert and i've had a few drinks Mm -hmm. and you know maybe eaten too much too many carbs or something which are my favorite days but (laughs) (laughs) um but I feel like I know it's a little different so I think that's something I might try and delve deeper into a little bit to see again I know we're not medical professionals this is all from experience but it's good to kind of just even talk about it based on experience and Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe there's a professional out there who's studied this who can come on the podcast and tell us all about it yeah um other than the app would you seem to have you know managed to get a ton of information Mm -hmm. from has there been any other resources that you've found helpful when you've been kind of trying to do your own research around this i think that definitely the uh the clue period tracker app is like my go-to because there's just so much it's information in the app about each thing that you're tracking um and just even, to be clear, we are not being endorsed by Clue. Yes, I am not <laughs> endorsed. Not. I'm not. I'm not being paid or anything. I'm just a huge fan of it because it's like changed my life. Yeah. Um, definitely found like helpful um, articles on the Flow website. Um, mm. So Flow does uh, another period tracking app, yeah. like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, definitely like found helpful articles on there. Even actually before. I came to the podcast like yesterday. I was I was looking up. Okay, like I'm calling it cervical fluid. Some people might call it vaginal discharge. I'm just gonna look it up. And I was just like, I just Google like vaginal discharge versus cervical fluid. But basically, it's the same. It's essentially the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just. Um, and it was an article that like I found on the Flow website that really laid it out really well. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, basically, what is like the difference between cervical fluid and vaginal discharge and there was like another kind of term and so the author you know kind of laid it out and basically um yeah so I think that that's a resource that I might continue to use to use more um because you know flow had like there's the app the website different programs and stuff you can participate in well clue is like they're they're focused on their app that's what they have that's what it is okay yeah Mm -hmm. awesome how do you think we can kind of make like make this become a comfortable conversation to have because it still (laughs) really sadly isn't I mean and as you said even to talk about periods is still a bit taboo right and you can 
barely have that conversation with your partner if your partner is a man mm-hmm. they have a tend to have a hard time around that so you know cervical fluid is a whole other level after that <laughs> but yeah, yeah I don't know what's your suggestions on what can be done to kind of make this less of a sticky pardon the pun oh. subject <laughs> <laughs> um I think that Oh, you know, uncomfortable conversations start with, I feel, so I, I'm the type of person who is comfortable pretty much talking about Mm -hmm. anything. So for me, like my reality is like, people could ask me, like you could ask me to be like, Hey, I'm going to do an episode on, you know, like, um, bowel movements or I'm going to do, which I am planning. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, I'd be like, yeah, I want to be on it. Like I don't, whatever uncomfortable topic, like I have an experience. Well, not every uncomfortable topic, Mm -hmm. of course, but many I have an experience with and I want to hear other people talk about it. It's not like I, I just want to like be a loudspeaker and get on a soapbox yeah. and just hear my own voice. Like, I want to hear from other people. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about their experiences, people who are totally different than me, um, and hear what their experiences, you know, are when it comes to menstrual cycles or cervical fluid. I mean, I think, again, it's like I would hazarding a guess I'd feel like the vast majority like over 90% of people do not talk about this and don't know anything about it and that isn't their fault at all for not knowing anything about it right because it's really just like I think in the last few years with flow coming along Mm -hmm. and then now clue coming along and where people like where they're even like talking about this stuff because I think it's you know it's, I think it it starts a lot in the education system. Um, yeah. I do think that um, is important. One one suggestion I would have is what I mentioned earlier about when it comes to kind of like sex education, menstrual cycle education, puberty education, all of that kind of stuff in schools, that it should be from someone who is specialized Mm -hmm. in that knowledge and in that education and educating kids on it, like in that specific audience, right? I don't think it is um, fair to ask, you know, an average teacher to do that yeah. unless they happen to be specialized in it, exactly. um, which is probably very rare. Um, and I think that, um, that's, you know, that's important. Yeah. Um, schools can really lead the way on this, right? Mm-hmm. All levels, whether we're talking about elementary school, high school, universities and universities have like that's is later on in the yeah. in the life cycle of a person but still they also tend to have like a lot of resources and yeah. money at their fingertips so they can i think really lead the lead the way on that right yeah. and i think it just takes like regular people like us yeah. doing something like this right and just showing people that you know, you can talk about it or other people can talk about it. You can listen yeah. and pointing people to pointing people to resources. And yeah. I think it's important also to just, yeah, recognize that, um, you know, we aren't medical professionals. However, like our lived experience mm-hmm. is the most profound teaching that we can give to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think focusing on, um, 
on that too. And, and I think, and I think, you know, when we're talking about menstrual cycles and cervical fluid, we want our, um, our primary audience would be women. Um, but it's, would be, it's very important that it's not just Just, women yes, and that the onus doesn't end up being just on women to educate the men, right? That it's like women and men like coming together and that the education around kind of, um, menstrual cycles and cervical fluid specifically isn't just around like um for for a woman who want who's trying to get pregnant it can it's just around people getting to know our bodies better period right i think especially kind of in high school because you know i remember if the boy one of the boys found out it was your period they would make fun of you right Mm. or they would not come near you or Mm. they would say you're being you know emotional or whatever yeah so there was this lack of understanding um so i think yeah having someone who specializes but making sure that all genders are in the room to make sure they kind of understand yeah you know the reasonings that how our body works and then hopefully there would be less kind of picking on and bullying and the same goes for you know anything that mostly boys kind of go through that then other genders are aware of that as well right so that we're not all oblivious to what's going on in one another and i think that that's like a big thing is that we are so oblivious Mm -hmm. right and you mentioned cosmo earlier well so many of us like that's where we learned yep. about like sex and whatever <laughs> yes. our bodies is Cosmo or then like, you sex know, in the city was another big of, educational tool for all me. of those things. Right. And like, but that's like what we're left with. Right. Yeah. Is because we don't get it through um, our families or our education system. Right. And so I mean, that's another thing is that a place to start these conversations is in your family. Um, is is the family yeah the parents or the guardians or or whomever right is Mm -hmm. is um is them talking about it but then they also need to know about it so a focus could really be around like family education as well right and i think yeah having all genders in the room is absolutely essential and then i think like having all everybody in the room right like all cultures all religions, all races, all of it, yeah. you know. Because we're all human beings. Yeah. Right? And yeah. we need to, it's really important. We need to learn how our body works, why it's doing the things that it's doing, mm-hmm. so that we can then, you know, make sure that we are taking preventative measures mm-hmm. against any kind of illnesses or diseases that could come on, or, you know, just being aware of what's going on in case it is something that's not normal. And then we exactly. have the confidence to then go to a doctor, a medical professional, and say, hey, this is happening, and I don't think it's quite right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, like, we could have we could have been having cervical fluids coming out of us. Something is not normal, and we wouldn't have gone to anyone for years. Exactly. Because we didn't want to talk about it. Exactly. So. I mean, even now, I think, like, my, my family doctor is a, a male doctor. He's fantastic. I'm really lucky to have him. Um... But it would still feel somewhat uncomfortable talking to him yeah. about that. M- more comfortable than with most, which I'm fortunate. You know, I'm I'm fortunate to have that. But again, so that's another focus is like, okay, well, how that conversation between the medical professional and the person, the patient, making that 
comfortable mm-hmm. is a whole other, you know, extremely important piece in this. Yeah. And where does that kind of one place that can start is, again, in the education system, yeah. in like um, medical school. But then if we start even earlier, then it won't be as uncomfortable at yeah. that point and they already have some knowledge and then you can kind of you know get deeper into it right yeah. because I know lots of people like they're not it's not even just a gender thing like people aren't comfortable talking to any doctor about yeah. it no matter what their gender is right yeah. like so there's all sorts of ways that we could make this easier and it's a big task but I definitely know that there is some of us out there who yeah. are up to it so yeah. yeah I mean I think even though you know periods still depending on who you're talking to can be uncomfortable or taboo I think it's come a long way um to be able to kind of have a conversation with your girlfriends or Absolutely. you know a medical professional around kind of what's going on with your cycle and how if you think something's not going quite right it's becoming easier um i don't know if that's i feel that way because i'm an adult and now i'm around other adults who are willing to have that conversation right. whereas when i was a kid i don't know kids like let us know is that something you can talk about do you feel like confident enough to go to a friend and talk about you know your period or your cervical fluid mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. um so yeah maybe it could just be my age but i i do feel a lot more comfortable yeah now with that right and, and i do think that age brings definitely like comfort yeah. right um because yeah not being like a kid anymore i don't mm-hmm. I, what do kids talk about like i yeah, don't know no idea. <laughs> no. So but, what do you talk about please let us know yeah <laughs> please let us know yeah like whether this would be a comfortable topic to mm-hmm. have or not i believe you're definitely right that we've come a long way when it comes to you know um lessening or smashing through the taboo around the period you know yeah. but there's a lot of aspects to a menstrual cycle, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I know I just read um, that um, my, I guess, alma mater, my um, New Westminster Secondary School, which is mm-hmm. where I went to high school, is the first school in, um, like, BC to, to go ahead with providing free um, uh, menstrual products, period products, so, like, tampons yeah. and pads and that kind of thing. And that's great and it's something I actually spent a lot of time thinking about is like we shouldn't have to pay for any of this this is part of like our body right and so I that's not necessarily that's not cervical fluid but it's all linked to like to actually like really like snatching through that taboo right yeah and I mean that's great they've done that it's sad it's taken this long and it's only so far as we know, and again, feel free to correct us, there may be more schools out there doing yeah. that, but like it's the first school that's kind of made the news to yeah. to be doing that, right? Like we need to see more of that, but at the same time, it's kind of shit that it's taken this long. Absolutely. Like 20, 2019, <laughs> I'm 33, and right? this is the first thing I, like, I, I was so excited to see it, but then I was like, this is crazy. That is crazy. We've been yeah. like, nah. You know, like, and, you know, it's just, it's so expensive to just live in general in this world, putting, you know, that much more kind of like financial kind of pressure on, on girls and women is, uh, 
to me it's just it's just like it's just so wrong right but it's okay great like first step now like yeah. tomorrow I want to see all schools in right? BC offer it yeah and free. maybe Canada I know I'm yeah. a big fan of the diva cup yes yeah for you know both financial and environmental reasons absolutely definitely but I know that doesn't work for everybody right yeah. so yeah some people you know still and on occasion I still have to pay yeah um for you know different sanitary products mm-hmm. and uh I can't believe the price of them when it's I crazy. I do it's it's crazy so yeah it's insane. Anyway, Jessica, this has been awesome <laughs> and eye-opening. Any last thoughts on cervical fluids before we wrap up? <laughs> oh, well, I just want to thank you for this conversation. It's really a wonderful thing to talk about and something that I'm happy, like, talking about, like, with um, anybody else who wants yeah. to talk about it <laughs> on or offline. Honestly, like, I'm just, I want to, you know, I want more people to feel as comfortable as I am. I'm yeah. really fortunate to be in this situation and other people can can be too, even if it terrifies you. So Yeah. 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 Well we can post any links you wanna share for people to contact you in mm-hmm. the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way you guys can reach out to yeah. Jessica. If you wanna share any cervical fluid stories in our comments or any comments around this podcast then that would be awesome. I'd love to see who else is having conversations like this. Um, Because then, yeah, it needs to happen. Thank (laughs) you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Hey guys, thanks once again for listening to this episode. I really hope that you learned something new about your own body or other people's bodies and that this is a conversation that you'll continue with your friends, your family, your peers, whoever. I will be posting Jess's link to her LinkedIn if you want to reach out to her in case you do have any questions about her experience. Again, you can always post in the comments below if you want to share your experience. But if you do need more medical information, then once again, we're not medical professionals, so we highly recommend that you reach out to your doctor. If you enjoyed our conversation, then feel free to let us know in the comments section over on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. We are on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. You can also support our little podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a very small $5 per month so that we can keep on running. For more information, visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate. Thanks for listening, folks. Now, as always, go forth and start talking about vaginal discharge. Have a great day.